You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's the BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Your daily download of X929's X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. A fine pair brought to you by Shane Holmes. Paired homes that keep your neighbor's noise on their side. It's Thursday, January 12th, 2023. I'm Beckler. I don't have a ton of time here. I got to hit the road, so... I'll just tell you quickly what you can expect on today's podcast, and then we'll launch into it. We're going to talk a bit about NHL coaches. Uh, A friend of mine joins the show to talk about the meals he used to eat when he was playing college football. It's astounding. Uh, Pop up audio today because it's a very famous song that you'll almost certainly know. My wife McKenna joins the show to talk about something she used to really enjoy and doesn't anymore. We need to come up with a nickname for for a popular new tattoo that I'm seeing everywhere. Got a small town news. Morgan Freeman reads a children's book after you got a context clip of the show. Oh, she's a bad girl. She's bad. What a shame she's the BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I had some vehicle trouble yesterday with my truck, and I had to ditch it in a parking lot until I can get that figured out, get it fixed. I think it's probably just a belt. I'm not too, too concerned about it, but I'm driving uh, my wife's vehicle today, which is the nicer of our two vehicles for sure. Um, her keychain is is monstrous. <laughs> this thing, it, like this, it weighs a ton. Let's let's see what's all on this, okay? How many key rings? We got one, two, three, four, five key rings, a carabiner. This is all attached to a lanyard, by the way. Two fobs, which isn't really her fault because one is for the remote start, one's for the vehicle itself. We've got two mail keys, I guess in case the first mail key doesn't work when you go to collect the mail. We've got a big hunk of plastic with an an affirmation on it. Live in the moment. <laughs> We've got a, uh, what's this? Some sort of like eyelash keychain thing because she does eyelash extensions. Like, this is insane. This is a woman's keychain. I don't think you would ever see a man walking around with this much stuff going on on his keychain. I mean, on the other hand, it would work well in self-defense. I mean, she could wield it like a medieval mace. You know, the ball and chain with the spikes on it? She's walking to her vehicle at night and anybody gives her any gruff. You just beat someone to death with this medieval mace. The place would be like, what happened here? It's a keychain attack. V and S in 20 minutes or less. We were at the library yesterday. I was with the whole family. I thought let the kids play and I could sit and do my work. And as we sat down at this table where someone had clearly been reading to their kids before and they had left some books on the table. And one of the books was called Big Girl Panties. Uh, And it's a book for, you know, like for a young girl who was maybe going from diapers to, you know, to underwear. Anyway, I have the book here. (laughs) My wife went and checked it out because I was like, I can't go check out big girl panties. They're going to flag me. Even like I had I had in my backpack this book as I was coming in this morning. And I was like, I hope I don't, you know, die. I hope nothing happens to me on the way in. Because as I look through my things, I'll be like, why did he have a copy of big girl panties in his backpack? Um, so I, like I said, I have the book right here. Um, 
And I thought I'd read it to you, but as Morgan Freeman, because we know that no one loves panties more than Morgan Freeman does. All right, so yeah, we'll see how this goes. Big Girl Panties by Fran Manushkin, illustrated by Valeria Patrone, and read to you by Morgan Freeman. Bye-bye diapers. I wear panties. Happy panties. Snappy panties. Panties, panties, hip, hip, hooray. Panties for every single day. Are we, are we doing this? Are we keep going? Panties with rainbows or ducks in a line. Princess panties that sparkle and shine. No, little baby, you can't wear panties. Only big girls can wear panties. VNS in 20 minutes or less. Shauna and I have this uh, new-ish segment that we just love. It's called Small Town News. And it's just stories that make the news in small towns. And people who listen to this show have been sending us all these different small town news articles they come across. It's my favorite. Because when you live in a big city, the news that you get is a lot of doom and gloom. It's a lot of crime and politics and disaster, the cost of things, all this. And then you look at the news in a small town, and it's really mundane stuff. And it's very refreshing. It's very wholesome. friend of the show, Chris, uh, reached out recently and said there. There's big news. Uh, just north of Airdrie, the Tim Hortons, uh, their ice cap machine is back working after being down for a couple months. So that's the kind of thing that would be the talk of the town, I think. Small Town News with Beckler and Shauna. Good evening. Our top story. The ice cap machine at the Tim Hortons on Highway 2 is fixed after being down for over a month. Marge Irvine's snow angel has been identified. Turns out it was, quote, one of them Epp boys. And the fairground toilet has finally been unplugged from the Labor Day slow pitch tournament. Organizers are asking that people go easy on her. Anyone with, anyone with information on whose ass may have clogged it is asked to call Terry. The BNS in 20 minutes or less podcast. My wife McKenna is a big Taylor Swift fan. Um, and I don't mind some of Taylor Swift stuff. It's on at the house sometimes. Um... But I didn't know this. You know Taylor Swift swears in her songs now? She, she drops F-bombs? So here's the one that was on the other day, and I was like, whoa. Like snow at the beach, weird but beautiful. Was that a huge F-bomb from Taylor Swift? I guess she like used to drop the odd swear, but it seems like the last couple albums, McKenna said she's really like punching it. Like she's making a point of swearing. She's a, she's a bad girl now. She's bad. Bad Taylor. She's not she's not America's sweetheart anymore. She's not girl next door. No, she's bad now. She's not screen door slamming Taylor Swift. Oh, she's a bad girl. She's bad. VNS in 20 minutes or less. So I think everyone who is around our age roughly would know what the nickname for a lower back tattoo, which was very popular in the late 90s and the early 2000s. It was known as a tramp stamp, right? Not the most flattering term, but that's what everybody called it. They called it a tramp stamp. And then Sean and I have talked before on the air about how we recently discovered that a tattoo along the side of the body, along the ribs, which became popular as the tramp stamp faded, was known as a skank flank. Have you ever heard the term skank flank before? We thought that was hilarious. 
Um, but I've noticed a, a, a new popular location for, for tattoos, particularly on young women. Um, and it's right on the sternum, right between the breasts there, right, but, right, right betwixt the jammers, right in between the, uh, the schlamps there. And I was thinking, okay, well, to stick with this theme, we need a, a nickname for this, right? We need, we need a, a slightly insulting nickname for this to, to keep the, the trend going. Um, so I was thinking about this probably for way too long last night, running different possibilities through my head. And we're open to suggestions, too, if you have any suggestions of what we could call the chest tattoo, the, the sternum between breast tattoo. We'd like to you know, get this to uh, enter the public consciousness, enter our collective lexicons. The best I could come up with is the, uh, the titty, titty tat or the tween titty tat, which isn't great. So, so then I texted a friend of mine last night, and he's a bit of a wordsmith. And I said, what, what can you come up with? Do, do your worst. So he got in the lab, and he came back with this. And my God, I wish Shauna was here to be the one to read this instead of me. I'm uncomfortable, but uh, I thought it was so good that I had to pass it along to you. The Hormuda Triangle, okay? Uh, him, not me, but uh, now you know. Now you know. I, I guess maybe that's what we're calling that tattoo going forward. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Got a few other options submitted by friends of the show here, and uh, you can feel free to use any or all of these. We collectively decide which one we like best. A titter sticker. Didn't get a name from the person who submitted that. Someone else suggested Crevice Creeper, but uh, to me that sounds like it would be more south the location of that, too, would be more south. These next ones are all from Zach. Sternum burnum, because it burns when you get it done. That's true. A titty splitter. A titty splitter. Or perhaps my favorite, a breast crest. <laughs> uh, I might go with breast crest. That's pretty nice. But I am seeing this um, this breast crest tattoo everywhere. This Hormuda Triangle, it's, it's often like an insect or something, right on the breastplate, right between the boobs, and then you wear a low-cut shirt, and you can see the boobs, and then the dragonfly or whatever it is, it's tattooed on there, with the wings underneath, almost like it's the wings are supporting, supporting the breasts. The wings are lifting the breasts and setting them free. That's enough of that. Do you know where you can set your breasts free? Is it a Shane Holmes Baird home? Shane Holmes uh, is building houses in the neighborhood of Midtown, in Airdrie, they have three different types of homes there. Paired homes, lane homes, single-family front drive homes. Centrally located in Airdrie. It's got some nice amenities around. And if you'd like to learn more about this community, you can visit shanehomes.com slash communities. Shane Homes, the better way to build. VNS in 20 minutes or less. So I think inflation has hit just about everybody. Inflation and the rising cost of goods. Unless you're the kind of person that has so much money that you don't even really look at the price of things. Um, I've only kind of noticed, not because I'm fabulously wealthy, but because uh, my wife McKenna handles all of the bills and the spending at our house. Uh, McKenna's on the phone right now, and you said something interesting the other day about about grocery shopping that I, I thought kind of sums this up nicely. What did you say? I said, usually I enjoy going grocery shopping, and I, I like going through every aisle. I like like looking what was new, but now it gives me like severe anxiety just to know like how much stuff has gone up and how much stuff is costing and 
you know, I went to the grocery store the other day. I need like five items, and like most of it was like stuff for the kids' lunches, and it was like forty dollars for five oh. items. So I just like I I don't enjoy going to the grocery store anymore. Yeah, I know what you're talking about because I've I've always kind of enjoyed it too. It's cool to see like what's available, and but you know, even if you go to Costco now, two hundred dollars and your cart's still mostly empty. Yeah, and I'm still like, what are we going to have for supper? <laughs> it's Yeah, and like Costco, like they would bring in like new stuff and I, was, I would be excited to try it, but now I'm like, it's so expensive. I, I don't even want to like look at the new stuff because I just need the staples now. Just the staples. You have to really think about what you're coming home with. There are not many impulse buys anymore. No, no. So yeah, I don't even, I don't even like it anymore. Yeah, and I mean, we're very fortunate that we've never had to choose between like bills and food. But there would there are lots of people in the city who would be in that situation, and I feel I feel for them because that's got to be pressure. Yeah, it's terrifying. Like to know that you couldn't even like come home and feed your kids, or yeah, yeah. I can't imagine. While you're here, I had one other question for you, kind of related. But um, we had so <laughs> for those who don't know, we had a we had a hot tub fun going. I say had we had a big glass jar in the cupboard, and whenever we had a little extra cash, you know, from side hustles, whatever, we'd throw this cash in the jar. And the goal was eventually to put a, a hot tub in the backyard of our new house. I went and looked in the hot yeah. tub fun the other day, and it was empty. Do you know what happened there? <laughs> were, were we robbed? <laughs> well, yeah, you have to like pay babysitters. And oh, there was a few hundred dollars in there. We had a good st- we had a good jump on the hot tub fund. No, you think that there was so much money in there? There wasn't. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, to think that inflation has killed my dream of sexy hot tub parties, that... uh, We're we're, we're never getting a hot tub. (laughs) V and S in 20 minutes or less. Audio. One, two, three, uh. In the opinion of this lowly radio host, this is the best song since the year 2000. The popularity of this song sparked a resurgence in sales of Polaroid cameras, though the company had to release a statement saying that shaking modern Polaroid pictures wasn't necessary and could actually damage the photo. Noteworthy covers of this song include ones by Obadiah Parker. But does she really wanna? Can't stand to see me walk out the door. And Razorlight with the London Community Gospel Choir. You don't want me here, you just want to The girls responding when Andre 3000 says, Hey ladies, is actually just the layered voice of one woman who was working in the studio at the time. I was hanging out with my buddy John the other night, John Bender. He uh, played for the Stampeders back in about 2011, 2012. Before that, he was a member of the University of Nevada Wolf Pack on the offensive line. He blocked for Colin Kaepernick, had quite a bit of success with that program. These days, he's a financial advisor here in Calgary. And he was telling me about the meal that the team used to eat the night before a game when he was playing college football. What was that meal, John? 
so we would, uh, so I should preface it by saying, you know, most of the time, a lot of the football players, they would go through fall camp and the end of the season, they often lose like 20 to 30 pounds. Just because of how hard uh, you're working? How hard we're working, how, how hot it is outside. You know, you're in the weight room four or five times a week. You practice four or five times a week. You play a football game every weekend and just, you know, struggling to find enough food, find enough calories, find enough sleep, etc. So, and I mean, also we're college kids, right? So money isn't, isn't in a great situation either. So the night before the game, we would, uh, even when we traveled to away games, we brought our own chef and we kind of always had the same meal. So, uh, the night before the game, even, even at home, we would travel and go into a hotel in Reno. We would have, um, so I'd sit down. The first plate would be a whole dinner plate of salad. You know, full dinner plate, often have, um, you know, a liter of Gatorade, a liter of chocolate milk, kind of to start, get things going. And then the next plate, uh, I would have, uh, you know, always three pieces of meat, sometimes two steaks, sometimes one chicken breast, always eight ounce steaks, good side steaks, uh, baked potato, uh, baked potato would have like sour cream and chives and all that well-dressed and then uh we have red beans and rice and usually like some sort of vegetable like green beans or something that would be the second plate so that would be a good sized plate and then the third plate um you know and it wasn't just me doing this it was like the entire <laughs> offensive line most of the team was doing this the third plate we would go back and we get like uh alfredo sauce with ravioli and uh, we get a full dinner plate of that you know buried in parmesan the usual and uh, that would be our third dinner plate. And then uh, after we were done with that, uh, we would often, uh, then it would be time for dessert, right? So uh, we get a good size of bread pudding, uh, greet it with ice cream, and uh, that would be our dessert. And then, you know, as a team, we'd watch a movie for about an hour and a half, and then they would send us off to bed. But before we went to bed, they had all these lunch bags laid out for us. And uh, in the lunch bags was an apple, orange, banana, bag of chips, uh, king size Snickers bar, <laughs> and then two more liters of Gatorade. Was was this and, all covered by the team? Oh yeah, the team would pay for all this. It was all covered, and like all of us would eat like every bit of that in that day and beat that night. I think the craziest thing was just trying to stay hydrated. Like how many guys would get cramps and stuff. So we were always trying to, you know, get as much fluid as we can inside of us and everything else. And what did you ever add up the calories that you were taking in on the night before a game? So I never added them up personally. I know a lot of the other guys track their calories really tightly, try to get them up. But yeah, I mean, I would often assume, you know, we were eating five to 6,000 calories a day easily. That's wild, man. But probably burning just that much too between practice and games, hey? Well, like I told you, a lot of the guys were losing 20 pounds during the season, you know, in three, four months. So just trying to keep your weight on was always a struggle because of how much activity we were doing. And I mean, when you're moving around 300 pound men, you're going to start burning a lot of calories, right? And travel with your own chef, probably should have brought a plumber too. Something like that. The BNS in 20 minutes or less podcast. I was chatting with my dad yesterday and he had been watching a sports show where they were talking uh, specifically about NHL coaches and how they just seem to recycle coaches in that league, which is something that you may have noticed yourself if you're a sports fan. You know, like a guy will get fired from this team and then he'll pop up coaching this team over here and then he'll go to that. You know, someone like, how many teams has John Tortorella coached at this point? He just keeps bouncing around, it seems. So they were saying that here, if you if you have success as an NHL coach, it seems like you'll always be able to find work in the NHL again. Like once once you're in, you're in, and it's very difficult to fall out by the sounds of it, but also very difficult to get in 
uh, at the same time. So I'll, I'll give you an example here. This is what my dad said. So at the All-Star break here, the All-Star game is going to be coached by the four division leaders, the coaches of the four division leaders. So Rod Brindamore from the Hurricanes, uh, Peter DeBoer from the Stars, Bruce Cassidy from the Golden Knights, and Jim Montgomery from the Bruins. Three of those four coaches were let go from their respective teams last year. And now they're all coaching division leaders. So, I mean, you can get canned and then you can just immediately get a job and then you can take that team, you know, right to the top of your division. I guess it is easier to fire the coach and it's more acceptable with the fans. If a team is underperforming, it's an easier move for a team to get rid of the coach than it is to, like, clean house with your players or to unload a bad contract that's really killing a team. So, like... Unless you unless you really screw up as an NHL coach, like unless you you know pull a Mike Babcock, you know, like a big asses, Mike Babcock, and you know or Joel Quenville, and you're part of like a scandal where the team where our team can't really take you on. It seems like you have job security, maybe not with one team, but you have job security in the league as a whole. And if you compare that to the NFL, where coaches stay a lot longer, or like college sports where a coach will be there forever. They become part of the institution. The NHL is just ruthless with their coaches. Like, here's another example. Uh, in terms of who's been with their team the longest, Todd McClellan is the fifth most senior coach. He doesn't even have five years on with the Kings. And that's enough to be, in the NHL, a long-tenured coach. It's a strange league in that sense, isn't it? Yeah, well, they got big asses. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. My boys, I don't know how they know how this, this came up, but my, my two boys were asking me if we ever played uh, shinny on the outdoor rink at school, like at recess. And I said, sure, we did growing up. But then I forgot what, what happened at my elementary school when I was younger. This is kind of a funny story. But they, we used to play shinny all the time, just, you know, boots and sticks. And then they decided that that was dangerous because we were on the ice and we didn't have helmets on. So they said, well, you have to wear helmets. And we're like, okay, well, we're not bringing our hockey helmets to school for that, for shitty. And they said, okay, well, you, we'll, we'll buy helmets for the school. So they bought, I forget how many helmets, like 30 of these like ugly iTech helmets with the full cage and everything. And you had to sign out a hockey helmet at recess and then go play shitty and then you had to return it. So because of, like the sign out and sign in process, there was like five minutes left to actually play by the time you got through that. So I think we tried it like once and we're like, well, this just isn't working. And then I don't think anyone ever used those helmets ever again. They bought like 30 helmets. I don't know how much at a cost of what per helmet. Couple, Let's call it a couple grand on helmets that then just sat in a storage closet and collected dust. So that was a bit of a shank on the part of our, of our elementary school. These hideous iTech helmets. It could have been worse. They could have been Jofas. I think I've told you the Jofa story before. Uh, I have a f some friends. You know um, someone who has a, a, has a nice body but an unattractive face? There's a term for someone like that. It's rude. I know. People say it's a, a butter face or a butt his face. If it's a male you're talking about. Uh, my friends call a person like that a Jofa. Good gear, uh, bad helmet. Good gear, bad helmet. You've been listening to the BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Paired homes that keep your neighbor's noise on their side. Want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at X92.9.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have BNS and 20 Minutes or Less downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later.